Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Counter. I'm Keith Hancock, alongside with my partner and longtime hospitality industry pal, Christine DeVita. And welcome to another episode of Behind the Counter. Good evening, Christine DeVita. How are you doing this week? Keith Hancock, how are you? How was your week? My week is going good, except for right now because I'm a little sad, a little melancholy. Why is that? Just because our boy Richard Tier isn't with us, and he was on the last episode, and it was a great episode. And um, and you're going to see him Saturday. I'm not going to see him Saturday. I've actually never met him in, in human form yet. I still can't believe you guys have not met yet. That kills me. It really goes to show how much COVID has changed certain things, that we can run a business, onboard somebody, and I've never met this person. you know. And it's just so normal to see this guy. Like Rich is a, Rich is a guy in a computer screen for me. But you're so much more than that, Rich, I promise. He's a he's sensitive, guys, everyone who doesn't know him. So you got to watch what you say sometimes. He's sensitive. I can't. I'm going to be robbing him of chicken cutlets while you're down there. And he's at the he's gone to what, a wedding and you're sitting, babysitting everything for him. Kids, dogs, babysitting uh, his uh, fiance's son, Elijah. OK, okay. Uh, the two dogs, Chloe and Sheba. And uh, I'm watching the compound. But what I am going to do for you is as soon as I roll up, I am taking a selfie in front of the mini bridge. Really? I'm going to do that for you. Well, I'm also packing the car with boxes because I'm cleaning them out. Okay. Yeah, that refrigerator is getting cleaned out. I gave him, actually gave him a little menu of uh, what the expectations were when I arrive. And oh, the nice. food cannot be prepared until Friday because I'm going to arrive Saturday morning. So, Yeah. Cutlets, meatballs, and uh, antipast platter. Well, you know what? I think that's fair. Also, you, you only we want fresh food, and he understands that. I mean, you don't want cutlets made on Tuesday, no. which is when he generally no. makes them. So he's got to do cutlets twice this week. And I want the imported prosciutto, I told him. I don't want yeah. the domestic BS. None of that domestic I want crap. the imported, and okay. I want the imported cheeses. So he's got... He's got a list to take care of. Yeah, no craft powdered Parmesan cheese, Rich. Grana Padana, okay, Padana, okay? Recorded <laughs> with you cutting table side. Well, I actually just got a text from, um, from Rich while we're recording right now. And uh, he asked me if I got an uh, Amazon package. So, yes, I did. And I'm going to open it now. I said, shall I open it on the podcast? He goes, yes, open it on the podcast. So, uh, so I'm going to open it and I'm going to announce what it is. Oh, this was very unnecessary. Thank you guys. I totally appreciate it. You guys are awesome. A gift card to Nordstrom, one of my favorite stores. Very nice. Yeah. Completely unnecessary, Rich. Thank you, Frankie. I appreciate it all. Huge shout out to you guys. But again, unnecessary, but definitely appreciate it. And I will go shopping this week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to... Stop saying that we're going to like move past COVID or we're trying to, you know, talk about other things, which we've had that discussion because every single time that we, that I say that the floor drops, the goalpost gets moved and more crap comes down the pike from the government. It's uh, it's pretty insane. I mean, I sent you this article. What was it today? Yeah. From uh, CNBC. Yep. Yeah. Majority of restaurant operators say business conditions are worse now. Then three months ago, survey finds. And there was this interview that they did, and we're going to play it here on the podcast. Robert Earl, 
He's a virtual dining concept co-founder, Earl Enterprises founder and chairman, and he's also Planet Hollywood International founder and chairman. So let's listen to the clip. What are you seeing out there? What are you seeing out there in terms of all the challenges you're facing right now and what your expectations are given the Delta variant spread? Um, it's a tremendous conundrum now. We're on the verge. You've got seven and a half million people going to lose their relief this weekend. The third party restaurant platforms, the Uber Eats, the Grubhub, the DoorDash, they are critical again. They're the only savior at the moment. You've got people saying, I'm not coming back to the offices. Their offices are downsizing. You have hotels that occupancy, people are Zooming and staying at home. All these things. And then we have employee issues and we have supply chain issues. So the combination of all these things, even though there was the pent up demand to go out, um, I'm deeply concerned with the winter coming. That's yeah, that sounds uh, that sounds not good at all. Um, what are you doing? I mean, there's not much you can do, obviously, about the spread of the Delta variant and or people's concerns about uh, reengaging fully. But what are you doing to sort of deal with a number of these issues you just uh, you just enumerated for us? Um, the employment side is a common problem all the way through the industry, both from the um, fast food, fast casual, quick service, all the way to the sit down. There's a new mentality developing about, I don't have to work evenings, I don't have to work weekends, perhaps I'll work from home, variable work hours and a different type of job. So we're all out there um, paying over the uh, current wage levels, uh, infusing some of our employees uh, to bring in other employees. So we're all attacking that. The supply chain issues are um, something that has been caused earlier on by factory closures, uh, delivery companies, all those type of issues. And there we switch up our menus, uh, we do different things. But I, I, I think what I was trying to say is I foresee more movement back into delivery again with the winter coming uh, with all of these other issues. Uh, as being the key and restaurateurs did really well with the support of the government and PPP monies. Restaurants did very well switching their mix. The composition moved somewhat from dine-in to curbside pickup to relationships with the third-party platforms. So, Keith, that was a pretty interesting interview on Squawk on the Street. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Yeah. It really resonates with what's going on and the constant challenges that this industry faces um, because of COVID. Well, it's crazy what they're finding out there. I mean, I'm, I'd rather with what we're dealing with out there. Every day it's something. Like I said, the goalpost gets moved. You have recruitment issues. You have supply chain issues leading to higher costs, tighter restrictions by local, local municipalities, somewhat kind of stemming more so in bigger city areas. And there just seems to be no end in sight. Yeah. Every, everywhere you turn, there's a new news article and, and our industry just keeps getting battered by this. And at some point it's like, when are you going to stop victimizing what we do? Cause we're really victims of a lot of things at this point, as far as I'm concerned. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, let's just, let's just tick off that list. I mean, on the recruitment end, right? So restaurants are understaffed uh, and higher food costs are among the issues plaguing the industry, right? So because restaurants are understaffed, okay, you have, let's do some stats really quick, right? More than three quarters of operators who took, took part in the NRA survey said their restaurants are short on staff. Among those respondents, 83% said they are at least 10% understaffed, while 39% are missing more than a fifth of their needed workforce. In response to the issue, restaurateurs are cutting their hours. Those are operating hours, right? They're reducing their menus, slashing the menu items. They're reducing their seating capacity. And all of that coupled together, what does it do? It, it severely impacts their revenue stream, right? You know, menu options are, are being impacted because of the food supply chains, uh, challenges. So, I mean, if you, if you go back into the, into the recruitment piece, yes, recruitment has opened up since the unemployment enhanced, uh, pandemic unemployment has ceased, right? So we could go ahead and employ everybody that we want to. It's really not all that's just happening out there. I mean, the restaurant industry, we're basically battered victims at this point. We have recruitment issues. We have higher costs stemming from supply chains, tighter restrictions from a COVID standpoint, just to everyday government imposing more restrictions on things in general, labor, whatever the case might be. New York is obviously the, the leader in you know, adding restrictions to what we do and making it harder to do business. And there just seems to be no end in sight. And what people don't realize is that Part of the problems when they go out to dine right now or they're out into a restaurant is it's not just about they don't have enough servers on or they don't have enough cooks on or there's just restaurants. There's supply chain issues. I don't really believe that these supply chain issues are going to recover till next summer. You know, I mean, there's just, they're just so behind the eight ball on staffing and, and moving things. And it's even I was reading in the Wall Street Journal how. It stems out beyond the restaurant business. Nike saying that they don't have enough sneakers to sell for the holidays. Costco's, you were saying, and, and I, and it was in that the Wall Street Journal article too that they're putting back limits on paper towels and toilet paper. And if you just overstock up on that stuff, by the way, you're an asshole. <laughs> and then also, you know, because like that's just. I just had to say that because that's a real pet peeve of mine. I mean, look at last year, right. COVID hits and there was like this mass purchase of toilet paper. Yep. And it's like, are you kidding me? Yep. And yep. then it went to paper goods, like paper towels. Then it went to canned goods. And then it just, you know, it just chicken. I, I, I couldn't find, I couldn't find a bowl of garlic to, to, to save my life last year. Right. I was like, you must be kidding me. If COVID taught us anything, it taught us that we don't have to do that. Right. So that's why like you are an asshole. And if you have a problem with that, I would please reach out, you know where to find us and we'll have you on and have a conversation about it. So like, it's not even it's retail, it's restaurants, it's everything. And it's going to take a long time for them to come back. It really is. It's not as quickly as everybody, uh, everybody thinks it's going to be. Right. I mean, just with this vaccine mandate, you know, I, I will say that um, in our area, and that's the tri-state Long Island area, or the tri-state area that affects mostly, nobody's really paying attention to it, I'll be honest with you. I mean, you, you were in Rose's Pizza the other day, right? Yep. Yep. They have sit-down dining in there, right? Yep. Okay. Was anybody checking vaccine cards? 
No. Uh, no vaccine cards, no masks on anyone behind the counter. I had a good right. slice of pizza, though. But And we're not Pizza's saying it's all at Rose's Pizza because we're a huge fan of Rose's Pizza. I Rose's mean, disappointed awesome. they're not inside Penn Station anymore, but huge fan of the place. It's an icon. And again, no way calling them out, but just putting an example out there how it's just completely unnecessary at this point for these vaccine mandates. When I'm in the city, it's the chains that I see heavily following it. And obviously, when you're talking more of a brand name, they kind of have to. It's just well, their a, fines are a little bit more exorbitant than right. uh, than a single owned business is anyway. And, you know, it, there, there there's this huge misconception out there. And we heard it from our attorneys first that employers don't necessarily have to fire their staff if they're not vaccinated. OK. They just get fined. They choose to terminate their staff because they don't want to get they don't want to get fined. So instead of standing up for the greater good. Right. And sucking up a fine, which the majority of these corporations can afford. Right. They rather just lay off the staff. Exactly. And what is the fine on that? Do you happen to have that number? I was looking for it. I couldn't find it. Well, getting vaccinated is not a requirement under the mandate there. Um, and this is with the Biden mandate, just so everybody understands. There may be consequences for employees who choose not to get it largely due to the fact that large employers can end up facing fines starting at $14,000 per violation. It is expected that many employees will update their vaccine policies as a result of the new mandate. These policies will likely explain that employees who fail to get vaccinated or show weekly proof of negative tests uh, may face disciplinary action, including termination from their employer. While the rules are still being developed, surprising they're not developed yet it is anticipated that osha will be tasked with enforcement of covid safety and policies as it has been since 2020 osha may investigate review company records and conduct inspections when they receive complaints or become aware of high infection rates if osha discovers violations they may issue fines and penalties uh, including daily fines for ongoing violations so here's something else really quick until we move on must employers fire employees who did not get vaccinated or show weekly negative tests? The answer is no. Employers are not required to fire employees who do not get vaccinated or show weekly negative tests. It should be noted, however, that employees could face heavy fines for failing to comply. As a result of those fines, employers may be motivated to let uncooperative employees go rather than take the risk. So there you have it. What are the consequences of not complying? And must an employer fire employees who did not get vaccinated or show weekly negative tests? So those are the two biggest questions we always get asked. Um, so now you have the answers. And that is under the federal vaccine mandate that our lovely President Biden has, uh, has issued across the United States. Right. And that on top of, so let's talk recruitment a little bit. The well has not filled up in regards to talent coming back into the industry. No. I, well, you know what? In the beginning, it did, right? And then this vaccine mandate happened. And then it, it killed the well. That's how I see of it. I mean... I mean, I don't, I've, been, I've heard mixed things. I don't think the numbers necessarily show a huge flux since it stopped. But um, I will say that this certainly hurts it. But not only that, for, in regards to recruitment and labor, right now there's so many restrictions. And I'm talking about New York City because obviously that's where we're from. 
but everything seems to start there and it spreads out to the rest of the country, right? You got a, a mayor that's awful who's trying to run for governor. So he wants to become a trendsetter because trendsetters win el elections. Yeah. So, you know, he puts rules in place like the just cause law, which is basically unionized hourly employees and imposes more restrictions on hourly employees within the food service realm. One of those crazy things that he's doing is if you terminate an hourly employee in a quick serve model, now you have to pay him for two weeks. So if you catch an employee stealing money from you, you have to fire them for that and then pay them two weeks on top of it. Because under the new laws in New York, which this isn't a big deal, you have to have the, the schedules given to the staff for 14 days in advance. So from the date you terminate them, it's 14 days beyond that, which is mind blowing. You know, that that's that's unionized. Even I've even talked to HR managers and one of them told me she's like, I've worked in a union setting and I've never even seen that in that type of environment, which blows my mind. So you have those type of things coming down the pike, making it harder to operate on top of the goalpost of COVID constantly being pushed back. Right. So there's there's restaurants out there because of this mandate that's that's come down that you have to be vaccinated to dine in which means you have to be vaccinated to work in the place places are shutting dining rooms down because they look for the loopholes so now they're losing business that way but they'll close the dining room down so they don't have to lay off whatever management or whatever employee is not going to get vaccinated so they can still work there because they're so behind the eight ball on recruiting already what option do they have it's not a balanced scale they can either what are they going to do? They're going to lay everybody off and then they can't serve everybody if they have a full a restaurant operating at full capacity anyway. You know, so which way do they cut their nose off? Most of them. And, and it does make sense that they would just close the dining room down at a quick serve model and continue to do the takeout. Because if you're full service, that's a whole that's a different story. Then then you, then then you're putting them back to 2020. They can't close their dining rooms. A place like. I don't know. Serafina. That dining room is their bread and butter as opposed to a quick serve that can kind of make that work. But it's still making it harder and harder and harder. And it's just not it's not fair. And then you have to have it requires more staff now for a quick serve restaurant to check people in if people are dining in to make sure that they have those cards. That's a job. That's I mean, if you really want to manage it correctly and follow the guidelines, which, you know, the big chains do, it's a job to have somebody stand there. So now you're adding people, plus you're adding the amount of money it costs to employ an hourly team member in New York and all of those other things. And you're really, you're just, you're, you're killing the business at the end of the day, you know, and there's nobody to hire. And the people that, that you are finding that is a employing, it's not that they're bad people or it's not that they are people that you don't want to work with, but they're brand new people. You know, it's not the veterans coming back. And it is true that unfortunately some of them have found other avenues, which we've talked about during the pandemic and they're doing other things or whatever, whatever it is, but it's building back. And I never thought if you told me at the beginning of 2020 that I thought breaking down was a pain in the neck. That's a picnic compared to what we're going through now. Total picnic. I know. So I've pulled up the mid-year report for 2021 from the NRA, which is the Natural Restaurant Association. Uh, for those of you listening. So recruiting and retention, right? So hiring talent is obviously the top challenge, 
Restaurant operators confirm labor challenges intensified in the first half of the year. Fully 75% reported recruiting and retaining employees was the top challenge facing their business. In July 21, uh, that number was 8%. The June-July number represents its highest level in nearly 20 years of the association's monthly tracking survey, 75%, 72%, and that's May, June, and July. You know, it's just... It's a very different world with recruiting right now, especially this year. And it, it gets tougher as it goes along. Type of talent out there is different than it was years ago. And I think that restaurant culture, whether it's quick serve, full serve, and whatever sector of the industry that you're in, is very important now to people who are looking for employment. It's all about culture. I know I get that question asked about nine times out of 10 when talking to candidates or even talking to our clients. You know, the question is, talk to me about your restaurant culture to help retain the staff that you have. You know, take a listen to our podcast that we had. What was it? Two or three podcasts ago when we talked about restaurant culture. And, and take a listen to that. That's got some really great points on how to create culture or maintain culture or change your culture in your restaurant. Because that's a key point uh, to retaining your staff is your culture. Um, and it's super, super important. And, and I can't stress that enough. No, back, back to what you said about retaining. That's really key right now. You know, making sure that you're interviewing people and, and finding the right people, but retaining and having a good culture, we just can't talk enough about. No, I mean, obviously pay scale as well. Listen. Let's talk pay scale. Yeah, talk about it. Let's do it. So minimum wage now, minimum wage goes up. That becomes the minimum. So that is the shittiest amount of money that you can pay somebody essentially. $15 an hour $15 in Manhattan, an hour. right? In the so, tri-state area. So you've already, you've increased rapidly the amount of money that restaurants with a razor thin profit margin can operate at. On top of imposing these premium pays that they make employers pay people. If an employee stays 15 minutes past their scheduled time, they get another $15 premium pay and all that stuff. But now that's not attractive. So if you're hiring someone at $15 an hour, you're at the bottom rung. So now really like, what, what was it you, Christine? Somebody shared with me, there was someone was paying big money, 20 bucks an hour or something. Starting at 20, $20 an hour. I've seen companies offer $17 an hour all the way up to 20 to $22 an hour, um, whether they're tipped or not to get them in the door. And as I think that's great, I think that's going to a little bit of an extreme. Yeah. And some places... Some places are offering the sign-on bonuses right now on top of it, but it is too much of an extreme to go that high because it makes employers hard to be competitive. And with, like I said, razor-thin profit margins is really tough when you're adding so much to that in such a rapid time. They don't even have time to think about how they're going to sustain it. So now on top of that, they're bringing in sign-on bonuses. And Rich always says, and I agree with him, they should take care of the people that have been working for them and not give free money to people coming in. Personally, companies that are doing sign-on bonuses at this point, and I still see it, I think that's the stupidest thing possible. It's all white noise at this point. I don't think anybody cares, to be honest with you. Honestly, I think every restaurant company that does that is just shoveling money into a fire. I, what, what are you getting out of that? Do you really want to, at this point, it's like you're trying, to me, they try to bypass maybe going above 15 an hour to attract people with some quick, easy money. But I don't know if that's necessarily the answer. That's just my opinion. You know, maybe they have some different data that they found better results, but, but I, I don't know. I'm all for 
a living wage, right? I'm all for it. Absolutely. But you have to be a little bit realistic, okay, with a living wage, okay? $15 is the- It's the minimum. It's the minimum. Start people off at 17 bucks an hour. Don't go any higher than that. I'm for a minimum, a living wage, but at the end of the day, there's certain jobs that that's what they pay. True. But you know what? You're also now, when you start offering these 20, 22, $25 an hour wages to start off with, or even $18, $19 an hour, anything above 17, I have a problem with, because here's why. We have a generation that has a sense of entitlement, and I hate saying it, and I know we're probably going to get some shit because I said it, okay? But there's a sense of entitlement out there. There, The work ethic, and I keep saying it every podcast, is not like it was years ago, right? You need your employees to work towards a higher wage, okay? Giving them that higher wage right off the bat really does nothing for your business because then they're just complacent. Like, oh, cool, I'm making 20 bucks an hour. I'll do the bare minimum. And that's exactly what it is. Or I'm only make I'm only making $15 an hour now. Right. That's the, that's the other thing. Or, you know, back in our prep days, remember that was the thing we would award people when they got what we called the president's cap. Oh my God. That was great. It was $15 an hour for the week, which we've talked about this before. And that was 10 years ago. So that was good money, but now it's, it's kind of crazy. That, that that that's what we're doing so moving on um we have our recruitment things we have the supply chains stuff going on well even the supply chains right so the supply chains right food costs obviously is on the rise right let's touch on sales really quickly right so restaurant sales rev up right so here's some data from 2019 compared to 2020 compared to 2021 right so the full service segment of the restaurant was um down 30% 2020 to 2019, 30%, okay? 2021 sales, all right? So just to put that in numbers for you, right? So 2019, full service segment sales, 285 billion. 2020 sales were 199 billion. They were down 30% year over year. 2021 sales on the rise, 255 billion, right? So the percentage of change between 20 and 21 is 27, up 27.8%, right? So sales definitely are going up, but as sales are going up, right? What's also happening on the back end? Food cost is rising, right? You, we have issues with distributors, right? Fats and oils, beef, pork, everything that's in this report, eggs, flour are all on the rise, right? So there's the highest cost increases between June 2020 and June 2021, right? Newsweek reported that U.S. restaurant prices are seeing the largest increase since 1981 in July. Yeah, it's crazy, right? So food cost is going up. So what does that mean? What are restaurants doing? They're now raising the prices of their menu items, right? So their menu is going up, right? So um, in 2020, menu prices... I'm sorry. Yeah, 2021 menu prices are up 3.9%. Groceries prices are up 2.2%. And that's for 2021. So it's on the rise. So which means that it's compensating for food costs. Now it's compensating for the labor piece, right? Cost people more to go out and eat, right? Exactly, right? So everything's trending upwards, but at the same time, right? 
the industry is still not bouncing back as it should be. Did you ever read uh, eatthis.com? It's kind of like a wannabe version of Eater, I guess, but you can still get good information off of it. And no, no offense to them, but you know that's basically what they are. But they have good information. That's why I read it. They have reported that the top four chains, fast food chains, to increase their prices drastically in the past couple months is Chipotle, number one, Dunkin' Donuts, number two, McDonald's, number three, and number four is Taco Bell. Which means everybody's doing it. That's almost like the Dow Jones fast food ind- industrial average when you look at those kind of uh, when you look at those four chains. You know, so like that means everybody's following suit, which is obviously why those are the four that they've looked at these days. And you know, that's that's what it is. At some point, all of these things they're going to have to get compensated for, or places are going to go out of business, which is option number two, which is not what we want. Because either they can sustain and they have to raise prices or they have to lock their doors. You know, and that's part of the things that when the government imposes these restrictions on things, they don't think all of that through, you know, which is what frustrates me a lot about this is, is for me, is the intention behind why I believe the hourly wage goes up. And I think that it's more for headlines than it is less about helping somebody, you know, that they say it's going to help the lower income. If you see or read about or actually talk to the people, they would rather see money go into education. You know, I know someone, I had someone that worked that used to work for me who's still in the hourly ranks. And his response to me was with the higher wage, well, now I can go to McDonald's three times a week instead of two for dinner. And, you know, basically that's, that's how I see it. And I've used that line since that person has said that to me often because you don't really improve their quality of life. You know, the the politicians like AOC and the rest of them will jump on TV and make it look like they're down in, at the Miami boat show buying their new yachts because they're paying them $15 an hour. But really all that they do is they give them a little bit more money to stay exactly where they are in life, which is where those politicians need them to be, as far as I'm concerned. And that's that's why I get so frustrated with it, because it doesn't solve the problem. It maintains the problem is what it does. So what I'm looking for is to, for them to do something that changes the problem, you know, or evolves it. And that is what never happens. And that's why I get so frustrated. And they want to gouge these restaurants and the private restaurants and everybody else who has these problems and everybody else who's trying to operate a business. And what they're doing is they're hurting more than helping as far as I'm concerned. Well, they don't care because they get their money from Big Pharma, so it, it is what it is for them. But, you know, the case rise of COVID-19 Delta variant is obviously it's impacting restaurant visits, right? Um, which is a problem because for me, that's twofold. And this is my own personal opinion. You have the news media out there driving the fear of this Delta variant into everybody right now, okay? And I think we really fell off um, last year from last year with regards to certain mandates that should still be in place, right? Is wear your mask. Okay. And social distance seemed to work last year. What's wrong with this year? You know why? Because the vaccine is out again, your body, your choice, you get the vaccine. Great. You don't great. You know, that's up to you. Nobody should force you. No employer should force you to getting that vaccine. You have a ridiculous amount, I mean, outside of the industry, 
you have a ridiculous amount of people who are just getting terminated, police forces, hospital workers, because they don't want to get the vaccine. So with the news media driving the fear and the government driving the fear of this Delta variant and COVID all over again, because obviously they don't, they need a new cycle. It's not over with you're impacting restaurants. If restaurant owners were smart, they would mandate the mask and they would go ahead and put the social distancing into place. That will solve the problem because that was the problem solver for last year. And if you haven't noticed, that's really all we care about restaurants. So with that little lighter subject, Christine, I was really thinking about a lot of cool stuff we have going on. And I want to talk about the fact that we're going to be launching some swag soon. Yes. The behind the counter swag. Yeah. I think that's a little bit more fun than the rest of all this. Our viewers soon to be viewers, but our listeners need to hear about that stuff. But you know, more important, we're going to get you some behind the counter t-shirts. All right. That's what we're looking for. And with that, some merch. And one thing that we walked away from, which I want to get back to, is our Cove Hole of the Week. Yes. How the hell did we forget that? Dude, we got to do Carmine's. Carmine's Cove Hole of the Week. You you heard what happened in Carmine's two weeks ago, right? Yeah. Oh, that was horrible. And really, you know, God bless that, that hostess that had to deal with that stupidity. And they're obviously from Texas. So do us a favor, stay in Texas. And do not come to New York and upset our restaurant workers with your uh, with your craziness. Not only were they upset about the uh, that they were asked about their vaccine status, they turned it into this whole racial aspect of it, which, quite honestly, I have no time for. Yeah, and that was, and then there was a protest held outside of the Carmine's restaurant. Of course, over this whole of course, because there needs to be a protest if the wind shifts the wrong way. So but really all that it boils down to is the fact that she was just trying to do her job. So here are the names of the cove holes of the week. And these are the three Texas tourists who assaulted the hostess for asking them about their vaccine status. Ready? Keita Rankin. Cove hole. Taoni Rankin. Cove hole. And Sally Lewis. Cove and you know what kills me? They're our age. They're in their 40s, almost 50. And the youngest one was 21. So you really set a good example for the youngest one, the 21-year-old, allowing them to see you behave like animals. And that's exactly what it was. I'm looking at the video now, and it's insane that they would do a, have a protest to try to say that this girl was wrong. Did you actually watch the video? I watched it several times and I was enraged every time I watched it. I mean, and, and hopefully that girl did not get hurt at Carmine's. And Carmine's is a, another favorite restaurant of mine in, uh, oh, yeah. in Manhattan. Love Carmine's. Love it. But these girls were arrested and charged with assault and criminal mischief following the incident. And here we go. Are now calling for the charges to be dropped, citing the hostess made racist remarks and provoked the fight. So anything that we could do to make it a racist moment so we could have a protest we're going to do. So they were released and they were issued desk appearance tickets scheduled for October 5th. So I am, uh, uh, I'm curious to see what happens. Obviously they have attorneys and the attorney now is jumping on the bandwagon saying that the released footage was uh, selectively edited. Well, we'll be watching this story and we'll probably we'll circle back and see what develops from it and report back to you guys. Um, you know, obviously, 
we want it to fall the way that it that it should be in regards to whatever the truth of this is. We've looked at a video, we've read an article, but we'll see what happens once all the facts come together. But I will just say that looking at the video, it does not look like a pretty scene. No. And of course, they're being backed now by BLM. Black Lives Matter. So with that, I think we should put a bow on this episode. Want to put a bow on it? Time to put a bow on it, I think. Let's close it up. Guys, thank you very much for listening to Behind the Counter, brought to you by DaVita and Hancock Hospitality Group. Please go ahead and listen to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, Leave us a rating and a comment. We would really appreciate it. Also visit our Instagram page, Behind the Counter DHH, and also our Facebook page and newly designed website page by Salted, a creative company. So it's uh, www.dhhospitalitygroup.com. We look forward to uh, recording another podcast next week. Thank you, everybody, and have a good night. Good night, everyone. Like us on everything. We look forward to hearing from you. And write us for any feedback, please.